Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the GSL Podcast. My name is Wendell. This is episode six. Time is flying. I can't believe we've already had six episodes. It feels like just yesterday I was sitting alone in my room in Montreal recording the first episode and hoping people would listen. And now, six episodes later, I'm still sitting alone in my room hoping people will listen. But nevertheless, we are six episodes in. Loving the podcast so far. Hopefully we can keep this going. Today we got a great episode for you guys. We'll go over the news, go over some match predictions for this upcoming weekend. And also we have a very, very special interview lined up. As all of you know, the GSL is run by an executive committee of four different people. Everest, Sippy, Mickey, and Roy. And although we kind of know that there's an executive committee and that they run the show... We've never really given a lot of insight into what they do, what their roles are, but today we have an exclusive interview with none other than the Commissioner, Roy. Evening, Commissioner. Can't wait to get into that later, but first, let's jump right into the news. First up in the news, we have a roster change announcement. Aguada Waves have added the services of Andrew Fernandez. This is an emergency contract signing between the former Golden Boot Colva player and Aguada. Andrew was slated not to play this year due to nagging injury concerns, but due to Aguada's depleted roster, they reached out to him and he has signed a one-season deal with the team. This is a great signing for both sides. Andrew is able to team up with the defending champions Aguada and Aguada add a great striker to their roster. And although he has injury concerns, considering the fact that Aguada has only been fielding 11 to 13 players each game and they're desperate for some death and some subs, they can really use the services at this time. Andrew uh, did release a statement to the GSL podcast saying that he first checked with Colva, his home team, and they are currently full on their roster and didn't have a lot of space for him. So they gave him their blessing to join Aguada on a one-season loan. This is similar to the deal that Aldana and Aguada struck last year when Aguada was uh, struggling for players and Aldana lent Trevor on a one-season loan. This ended up backfiring supremely as Trevor scored the only goal in a 1-0 win against Aldana in the semifinals. So we'll see how this works out for Colva going forward and for Andrew and Aguada. In other news, just as a public service announcement, we are currently seeking a member of the Mopsa team. Any mops a player, fan, parent listening to this message, can you please email us at thegslpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have you on the show. We currently have people lined up from all of the other remaining teams, but we want to make sure each team is represented and has their say on the podcast. So Mopsa, this is a shout out to you guys. Email me. Let's get one of you guys on the show. That's it for the news. There were no games this past Canada weekend, so... We'll skip over the recap and head straight to match predictions. I'm going to talk with our special guest about Margao versus Donna Paula. So our first game to predict is Aguada versus Lotlim. Although I've been predicting Aguada to lose many of their matches against bigger teams, pretty much Margao the past couple of weeks, I do once again have to predict they're going to lose against Lotlum. I feel like Lotlum's momentum this season is just too great to overcome. And even though Aguada's been playing great this season, 
I think that Lotham will be able to get another victory and keep their undefeated streak going. But I, I do think it will be a close game. At 12 p.m., we have Mopsa versus Aldena. And on the opposite sense, I've kind of been predicting Aldena to do well every game, and they've lost both their games. But for the final time, I am going to predict Aldena to get a victory here. But I really feel like this is a do-or-die moment for them. They have four games in a week coming up. And if they don't beat Mopsa, they're playing Lotulam on Wednesday. And I think that unless they get a victory against Mopsa, I don't think they're going to beat Lotulam. So uh, some big games with Aguada versus Lotulam and Mopsa versus Aldena. We're not quite midway through the season, but these games definitely matter a lot to, to swing momentum and get some teams on the right track. One of the things I will mention that makes it hard to predict games is that usually performance week to week has no correlation with the previous game. And what I mean by that is, even if a team's won two games in a row, it doesn't really mean that they're going to win their third game. It all depends on matchups, depends on injuries, depends on who shows up to the game that day. And obviously it comes down to the performance that day. There are a lot of games where one team will really step up, play out of their minds and have a great game against a big, big team. And then the next week they'll let down, play a lot worse and lose to maybe a smaller team. That being said, I think the 10.30 a.m. game of Aguada versus Lotulam is going to be a great game, and I highly recommend everyone turn out to watch that game. I'll definitely be there myself. That's it for match predictions. Let's move on to our special interview. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I'm thrilled to have Roy Fernandez, the commissioner of the GSL. He's also a player in the GSL. He's been playing since 1996, the first year of the league. He's played on the dynasty that was Para, Dabalim, and most recently this year, he's joined forces with Donna Paula. Roy is one of the founding fathers of the league. And even though he doesn't know it yet, in this interview, I'm going to try my best to get some dirt, get some juice from him, give the listeners what they want, the drama. Hey, Roy, this is Wendell from the GSL podcast. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Excellent. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate having you on. Well, no problem. Thanks for asking. Yeah, no, no problem at all. So we have a lot to get to uh, with you. You're, you're a player, you're a commissioner, you've been on different teams, so many topics to discuss. The first thing we'll do is we'll, we'll interview you from an administrative point of view, from a commissioner point of view. So for those that don't know, you're, you're one of the four people on the executive committee, and you've been there right since the beginning of the league as the commissioner. So can you explain exactly what is your role as commissioner? Uh, I guess uh, it wasn't from the, the very start of the league. It was probably the second or third year in. Um, in one of the meetings uh, to start up for the new season, uh, Everest needed to have a schedule made, and he was having a bit of a problem with it, so he asked me if I had some time if I could look into it. So I made the schedule for him just to help out. And uh, after that, uh, he just asked, you know, why don't you help get involved with, uh, with the league a bit more? And he said, you know, we want uh, young people to get involved and everything. And this was quite a few years ago when I was young. <laughs> so uh, that's, uh, that's how I got involved in it. And then um, Everest and my dad actually knew each other for many, many years. And my dad used to help run the going soccer team, like back in the day when the GOA first started. And then when the younger guys started coming involved, uh, Everest actually took over the team from my dad. So he's saying, you know, I, I took over from your dad. Why don't you come and, uh, you know, work with me on it? So that's how I started with the, 
so that's how you got started with the GSL. So you've been you've been the commissioner for you know over twenty years now. What what is your main role right now? Like, let's say for this season, what do you, what are you normally responsible for? What what are you in charge of? What are your responsibilities? So any questions from the teams as regards to standings or decisions that are made uh, during games, as far as uh, any complaints they can have about referee choices or anything, I answer all of those emails. Um, Everest does all of the work as far as uh, getting the permits for the fields, getting the refs, uh, getting the referee coordinator organized, paying uh, TSSL, sorry, the TSA, and uh, all the financial stuff. So I just usually am the person who ends up dealing with all the uh, coaches and managers. Okay, great. So you're, you're pretty much the liaison between the executive committee and the coaches and captains. Okay, great. And then are you still responsible for making the schedule each year then? Uh, we actually had a, a, we had a series of schedules that we made and actually passed it through all of the managers that, uh, that attend the meetings and had them vet it so that no one could say, you know, Team C has more later games than Team D or something like that. Yeah. Um, so we had that schedule, but then this year, because we had an, an uneven number of teams, that schedule kind of got thrown out because uh, Everest was kind enough to offer everyone if they wanted a specific bye week to let him know and then he'd work that into the schedule. So this year's schedule got uh, a bit changed because of that. Yeah, we saw that there were a number of iterations of the schedule this year. And I've said before on a previous episode, it's tantamount to the league for putting all the time in to create these schedules because with seven teams, it's a nightmare. You have to deal with bye weeks, you have to deal with off weeks. And then now with the Centennial, sometimes the field's available, sometimes it's not. Um, I saw that this year, for the first time, there will be some weekday games at Victoria Park Stadium. So how did that all come about? It's great for the league because now each team has more games. But how did the executive committee come up with that decision? And and how did that schedule change happen? Uh, The reason that happened is the schedule is going uh, way too late into the year. And as you know, a lot of the young guys head away to university and teams started having a lot of problems with getting people to, to be available during playoff games. So in order to get the season to end earlier, we needed to do some weekday games. It was either do some weekday games or cut the schedule shorter. So everyone agreed that uh, they'd be willing to do some weekday games. And uh, I believe it was Antonio from uh, Mopsa that was able to get the field at the Branson Center, or he made the connection there for us to get the fields at, at that location. And everyone agreed to have a couple of weeknight games to get the season brought earlier, uh, to, to finish earlier. Okay, that makes sense, yeah, because people do go away in September, October. So as many people that listen to the podcast know, one of the more controversial things that's happened this year so far is the disputed game between Aguada and Margao. Um, just to recap, they played the game, Margot won 2 nothing, but Aguada submitted a dispute because Margot had fielded an illegal player. So obviously you being the commissioner, you probably received the email from Aguada with their request. So what is your mindset? What is your approach to, to this issue? Uh, first, we looked at, uh, we made sure they followed their due process per the constitution of what they had to do to uh, submit a, uh, a protest. So they followed all their steps correctly. We then looked at to see if their protest had any merit to it, and it did. Uh, There was a player on uh, Margot's team that was supposed to be on suspension. And uh, 
we then wrote a letter to Margao telling them that we received a protest. This is our findings, and uh, we feel that there's merit in the protest, and we dealt with it that way. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it's a very stepwise uh, decision. I've been at some of the meetings in the past with disputes or with uh, violent conduct hearings, and it is very organized. All teams are given a fair chance, so I think due process was followed, and no one can really complain that there's bias or anything like that. So it's great to have kind of a judicial system in the league in place. That's very fair. Um, kind of on a lighter side now, as commissioner, you know, all the listeners, they always want to hear about the drama in the league, and we can't go into specifics, but is there any, is there any team in particular over the years that, as commissioner, you've felt more difficult to deal with or you've had a lot more emails from? Uh, yeah, there is. Um, th- there are some teams that do seem to have more issues than others. I don't know why, but it's always like that. But uh, for, the, for the most part, for the last couple of years, it, there, there haven't been uh, as many issues uh, as usual. Yeah, I think, I think the, uh, the amount of violent conduct, red cards, and d- general disputes has definitely gone down over the years. It used to be at least one disciplinary meeting a year, and, and now we haven't had one in a couple of years, which is great. So uh, moving on from the administrative side, um, obviously you're a player in the GSL. You've been playing for a long time. You were um, uh, one of the members of the dynasty that was Para, winning multiple championships, and then you helped uh, create Dabalim once Para folded. And then, unfortunately, Dabalim folded last season, and you moved on to Donna Paula. So can you just give us some insight? What happened with Dabalim? We heard that they might be able to get a team, then they didn't have enough players. Why did Dabalim fold? Um, it's funny. When you sent me a list of questions, I was, I was thinking about that one, and I actually thought, looked at some old pictures of Dabalim. And we, we kind of reinvented the team probably three or four times throughout the, throughout, uh, the years that I was there. And uh, even going through the player card, I think there's there have been probably 40 or 45 players that went through the team. Um, I saw a picture from f- four years ago of the team, and from that, the only guy that was left on the roster, or like four dabbling, was me. <laughs> you know, we had we had we had a couple guys who um, had some knee problems, and they couldn't play anymore. So two of two three of them actually had an operation on their knee. So we're hoping once they recover, they'll be able to play again. Uh, some guys have opted to go play in an over-40 league. And we have some players that have left to join other teams. And uh, even from last year's team, we just had a lot of guys who couldn't commit this year for various reasons. Some were getting married. Some had family coming in from out of town for the whole summer. Uh, some of them, you know, their work was taking them traveling. So we just didn't have enough guys to be able to to put a team together this year. Okay, that makes sense. So rather than not playing, which is great, you joined Donna Paula, and you've, I think you've added some veteran leadership to your team because they're a very young team. There's a lot of raw talent, but over the years, they've kind of lacked more discipline, more shape, more chemistry, and I think uh, you and your center-back pairing have added more of a leadership, a calming presence to the team. So how did you come to join their team and team up with them? Uh, when, when it was the first uh, meeting of the year, we came to the meeting and we told everyone that we were, that uh, Dabalum was going to be folding. And I think people knew because last year we had a hard time fielding players throughout the, uh, the latter part of the season. Uh, but we told everyone, and we were actually hoping to, to form with, uh, with Novalim because we heard they were folding. 
Yeah. So I tried to make some inquiries. I, I spoke with Vincent Narona, um, who was going to talk to them. Uh, he, he was He's not completely involved with the team anymore, but he was going to make uh, an introduction. But they decided to play in a, in a Sunday league in Scarborough, so none of their players were available. So at the meeting, uh, Abel Nunes, he approached me and said, uh, we're trying to form two teams today. Why don't you bring your guys over, and we'll have enough guys for two teams. So that's, uh, that was our game plan from the start. It's just unfortunate that uh, closer to when the league was going to start, they weren't able, we weren't able to create two teams. We were just able to create the one. So that's how uh, we, we uh, ended up with Don Apollo. So is there a hope, as you mentioned, some players are coming back from injuries or operations. Is there still a chance or hope that maybe next year Don Apollo could field two teams? That's the hope, uh, that, that next year we would be able to do that. I know there's a couple of uh, players on Don Apollo that are uh, getting over some injuries and would be available next season as well. So that's what we're hoping for, that next year we will, that we will have two teams. Yeah, that'd be great. Obviously, eight's a much better than seven, and also increasing the number of teams is a better trend than uh, decreasing each year. Um, so as, as one of the leaders of Donna Paula, I've been asking everyone that comes on the show that represents, or not represents a team, but is part of a team, what, what, are, your, what are Donna Paula's goals for the season? When it looks at the overall season, when it comes to playoffs, how far would they want to go? And looking at the standings, what would your goal to uh, what place would you finish that you guys would look at it and consider this was a successful season for us? Actually, on Donna Paul, I'm just one of the players that, that's trying to help out as much as I can. The team's uh, being run by Abel Nunes and uh, Derwin Cardozo. But uh, the goal for the team, they'd like to finish top four in the league. It's, uh, I think that would be a great spot for us. If we could accomplish that, it would be, uh, it would be fantastic. And as you mentioned, the team is quite young. So we're in a, in a development process and just trying to get the players better and trying to get the team more cohesive. Yeah, so I've definitely noticed uh, this year compared to last year and the year before, a lot more cohesion, a lot more development. It used to be, you know, a lot of young, fit, raw talent guys, but game sense wasn't really there. There was a lot of chasing the ball, a lot of kicking it around. But even in the last game when we played you guys and you guys beat us, there were some great one-touch passes. There were some great triangle formations. There was a lot of discipline on defense. So I think you guys are definitely developing as a team. And it's nice to know that, you know, top four is your goal. Like, it's an ambitious goal. And I think that that's a really good goal for Donna Paula to keep kind of going up the table. Um, when it came to that game against Alden, I think that was Donna Paula's first victory in, uh, in their club's history. And you, I, in my opinion, you guys had a great, great game plan in the sense that you were solid on defense. You made sure you limited our chances and then attacked us on the counterattack. Um, did, was that your game plan going in, or what, what did you guys discuss before the game as your game plan and, and how you wanted to win that game? Uh, we wanted to make sure that we used the wings a lot more than we had in, the, in some of the previous games, and also about making sure we're, uh, we're cohesive defensively. So guys coming back, cutting down the fast breaks on the, the other team, and making the other team slow the ball down so that the guys on defense can get into position. And we, had, we were lucky we had, uh, we had a good squad there that day and some excellent players who worked very hard and uh, things worked out well for us. Yeah, no, it was a great result, a great victory, very well deserved. Um, so one of the last things I'll ask is take us behind the scenes of the GSL executive, you know, remove the curtain for us. Tell us something that maybe most of the players and coaches don't know about running the league or the league itself because... You know, a lot of times you hear players complaining about the league. They complain about fees. They complain about 
the field or the schedule. You know, it's too early. It's too late. Obviously, as a commissioner, you're never going to be able to satisfy 100% of the league. From my standpoint, you guys are doing a great job. Without you guys, there is no league. I look forward to the league every year, so I hope you guys keep running it. But if you could tell us something that maybe maybe players and coaches don't know about running the league that will give them some perspective on how difficult it is or all the work that goes into it, what would you tell us? Um, what most people probably don't know is that the Intervillage was an offshoot of another soccer league that Everest Fernandez ran called the, the Goan Soccer League. And that was one of the premier soccer leagues in Toronto for probably 20 years. And that league folded maybe during the eighth year of the uh, Intervillage League. Um, but that was a, one of the premier soccer leagues and had some of, the, some of the most talented players in it. And if you talk to any of the older people out there uh, who played in that league, they'll even tell you how, what a fantastic league it was, how well it was run. So Everest has been running soccer leagues for a very, very long time. So most people don't know, but uh, there was quite a few guys from Aldona who used to play in that league. They had the team Oswenda. There was a lot of guys from Kalangud who played in that league under the team um, the Gunners. So quite a few of the Golan players were playing in that league at that time. But there was also lots of other people playing in the league as well. Yeah, so definitely Everest has the experience and he's been running things for a long time. And the other thing people don't, probably don't realize is uh, how much uh, people on the executive love soccer. You'll notice that Everest still shows up on the uh, weekends to watch the games. And just because he loves watching soccer, he loves watching soccer in our community. And uh, some, some things that people don't realize, like even when people complain about referees, a lot of times referees become referees because they can't play on the field anymore. They still want to be a part of the game. They still want to be attached to the sport. So they start refereeing games. But the fact that You'll still see uh, Everest out, you'll still see Sippy out, Nikki out. Uh, they're not playing. Uh, their kids aren't always playing either. Uh, but they're still there to watch the, uh, the community soccer league, and I think that's, that's fantastic. I agree. It shows a lot of support for the league, and it's good having the leadership around. And I think you're right. I think people sometimes forget the main reason we're all in this league is because we all love soccer. And the fact that it can bring the community together through this sport that we all love I think is great. And that's why I'm hoping it'll just keep going every year keep getting stronger, and keep getting more players and more teams. So looking forward uh, to this weekend, you guys uh, have a game against Margao at 10.30. So what is your approach to this game versus Margao? Uh, Margao is a, a very, very strong team. And uh, they're not strong in one position. They're strong in all the positions on the field. So it's going to be a, a real learning lesson for us uh, to learn how to, play a, how to play against a very strong team and how to play like a strong team to, to watch how they play as well, how, how they play their game. So it's, it's going to be a lot for us to learn, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. They're, they're a very, very strong team, and uh, there's a lot we can learn from them. I, I guess it all depends, too, on uh, which guys show up on the Margot team. Hopefully their best players are out of town or something. <laughs> yeah, we, but, we always uh, hope for that. Everyone shows up <laughs> to GSL games, and the first yeah. thing you do is, isn't warm up. It isn't put your cleats on. It's you glance across the field yeah. at the other team, and you're like, oh, that guy's not away. Or, oh, that guy's in a brace. He's got crutches. That's good for us. Like, that's the first thing everyone does when they show up at a game. But uh, it'll, it'll, be a, it'll be a very hard game for us, and uh, there's a lot for us to learn in it. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll let you get away with not saying a score, but I think, I think we get the point. 
Um, last thing I'll do is uh, for every every team, we ask a few bullet questions at the end, just really quick, rapid fire questions, whatever comes to your mind first. Question one, if Donna Paula doesn't win the championship this year, who will? It really depends on who's in town at the end of the year. You look at you look at some of the teams like uh, like Aguada. They have some fantastic players, but they work out of town. Uh, maybe they have another soccer game. Uh, there was even one year where Aguada played a final short because they didn't have enough players that game. And it's not because they don't care about the league; it's just they didn't have enough players that day. Uh, but when all their players are there, they they have a fantastic, fantastic team. Uh, Margot has a very strong team as always. Uh, Lothlum's doing very well this year. I think I think they've won all their games. Yep, if I'm they not have. mistaken. So, what, what does your gut tell you? If you had to pick one team, who would you pick? I think if, if Aguada has their entire team there, uh, they've got some fantastic players on their team. I think uh, if they're able to have everyone there and everyone healthy, I think it'd be between them and uh, between Margo. Okay, great. If you can't name yourself, who's the most valuable player on Donna Paula? The captain of the team is AJ, and he does a, a lot of work behind the scenes and everything. So he, he does a lot of work for the team, and uh, he, he leads the team as well. So there's him. I would say uh, it's AJ who's leading the team. Okay, perfect. And last question is, name two players who you fear facing the most in the sense that when you're playing them, when you're playing another team, playing a game, there's the two guys that you know that, man, those two guys are dangerous. I can't even lose them for a second, the two people that you hate playing against? I think Christ is a... Uh, I actually enjoy playing against Christ because he's such a smart player. You have to be on your toes the whole time. Uh, he's got lots of fantastic moves. He's got fantastic ball control. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to play against him. So I wouldn't say it's, it's scary, but uh, he is a fantastic player, and if you make a mistake, he's going to capitalize on it. Yeah, totally but, uh, he, he, He's an uh, excellent player to play against. For me at this point, any guy that's under the age of 20, some of those guys are uh, so, so fast these days in the league. Um, yeah. It, it, really is, uh, it really is amazing. And, and there really is a lot of young talent in the league, which I'm really happy to see. There's a lot of younger guys out there. I, I don't know all of their names, but they're, uh, they're fantastic soccer players. And it, it is nice to see that. Yeah, no, de- definitely. Um... I remember, as you know, my dad used to be in the league, and the year he retired, I asked him, how do you know it was time for you to retire? And he said, basically, he was on Saligao, and they were playing a game, and he played right winger. And uh, one of his teammates gave him a through ball, and he sprinted as fast as he could for the through ball, but some 20-year-old just ran up behind him and took the ball away, no problem. And his teammate said to him, you could have at least tried to get the ball. (laughs) And that's when he knew... It was time to retire. So I think I think there's a lot of young talent coming in. I think it's great. I think the league average age has definitely gotten younger over the years, which is which is great to see. Thanks a lot, Roy, for coming on the show and uh, doing the interview. Really appreciate it. It's nice to hear from an executive member and also a player about some of the behind the scenes stuff. And uh, best of luck this season with you guys and Donna Paula. Great. Thanks so much for asking me to be on the show. All right, you heard it from the commissioner himself. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Evening, Commissioner.